This episode of Navarra Live is brought to you by listeners like you. Thank you. Welcome to Navarra Live. I'm Michael Walker. Very big news day for you today. Um, We're going to be discussing everything um, about Russell Brand, the massive allegations against him and the response to it. And tonight I'm joined by Ash Sarkar. And before we start, we should give a warning that this story contains graphic descriptions of sexual assault and violence. Russell Brand has been accused of rape, sexual assault, and abuse. The claims come from four women who knew Brand between 2006 and 2013. One of those women was just 16 years old. The claims pertain to a time when Brand's fame was growing to stratospheric levels as he hosted comedy specials and a BBC radio show, all while developing a reputation for outrageous behaviour. Brand hosted several seasons of shows connected to Channel 4's Big Brother, as well as appearing on other primetime TV slots. In that period, he also developed a film career in Hollywood, starring in blockbusters and marrying pop star Katy Perry. So why are these claims just emerging now? Well, they've come to light as part of a joint investigation carried out by The Times and The Sunday Times and Channel 4's Dispatches. That report has been taking has been years in the making, with the Sunday Times beginning its initial investigation almost five years ago. Journalists working on the joint investigation say they've interviewed hundreds of sources who knew or worked with Brand. And according to the Sunday Times, they've reviewed private emails and messages to and from Brand, made multiple freedom of information requests to his former employers, and studied Brand's interviews and books. Now, we're going to start by examining some of the key allegations. In some of the clips we're about to show you, the alleged victims are played by actresses, but the words are their own. And we're going to start with Alice. So this is a pseudonym. All the names are pseudonyms here. Um, She was 16 in 2006 when she says she was approached by Russell Brand in Leicester Square. Brand would have been 30 at the time. And according to Alice, he invited her on a date. He was then the host of Channel 4's Big Brother's Big Mouth, as well as a presenter of a show on BBC Radio. Now, soon afterwards, Alice and Brand began a relationship, something confirmed, by a member of her family. And the Times now report the comedian sent a BBC car to Alice's secondary school to take her out of classes and back to his place. Alice had never had a boyfriend before and now describes Brand as having engaged in, quote, the behaviours of a groomer. When the relationship eventually became sexual, Brand allegedly referred to her as, quote, my baby, my little dolly, and the child. And later in the relationship, Alice alleges Brand sexually assaulted her. This is what happened in Alice's own words. Things took a slightly darker turn. I was sat up in the bed up against the headboard and he um, forced his penis down my throat and I couldn't breathe. It was just choking me and I couldn't breathe. I was pushing him away and pushing him away and he wasn't he wasn't backing off at all. And so I ended up having to punch him really hard in the stomach to get him off. And then he, like, finally, then he, like, moved, fell backwards. And I was crying. And he said, oh, I only want to see your mascara run anyway. The image of a woman choking her mascara running down her face was one that Brand deployed in jokes at the time. This clip is from a 2006 comedy special around the time that Alice alleges the sexual assault took place. I like them blowjobs, right, where it goes in their neck a little bit. I would never suggest it. 
I want to suggest, I'm not suggesting it, it's the other idea. Then blowjobs where it goes, uh, 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 that noise. <laughs> nice. I want to suggest it. Be wrong to suggest it. <laughs> then, then blowjobs where mascara runs a little bit. <laughs> Good. Where too much saliva is cut. A lot of spit. <laughs> but I wouldn't suggest it. That'd be horrible. If I suggested it, now that, that's improper. But if they suggest it. <laughs> Around the same period as Alice's allegations, a second woman has alleged that Brand sexually harassed her at work. Rachel, another pseudonym was 24 when she worked as a runner on a Big Brother spin-off hosted by Brand. Here's how she describes his behaviour at the time. One of the memories that is very vivid to me and will forever stick in my mind, I think I must have gone to see what he wanted for lunch and he saw that it was me and he turned around towards me. I wasn't incredibly close to him, but I saw that he had his penis out of his shorts or trousers and it was in his hands and he insinuated that I might like to suck his dick. I obviously didn't go and suck his dick, but I also was scared to rock the boat. I was incredibly shocked. I felt very anxious. I was scared of what the repercussions would be if somebody had found out. Obviously, he was the presenter and I was a runner. I wasn't going to tell anyone what he'd done because I didn't want to lose my job. Brand and Rachel would go on to have a relationship, but according to Rachel, Brand insisted that it be kept a secret. She also now describes Brand as having groomed her for sex. Both the allegations from Alice and Rachel concern Brand's time working in the UK, but there are allegations in the US too. The first is made by a woman referred to as Nadia. Her relationship with Brand began consensually, but in July 2012, Nadia says she was raped by Brand. The door was unlocked. I just walked into his place. He comes running out of the bedroom naked. He came at me with kisses and stuff, which was kind of fun. And then it wasn't that fun when I couldn't move or I knew what he wanted from me at that point. He pushed me up against the wall. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I have a friend here and I, I want you to come into the bedroom. I'm like, no, that's not happening. We're not doing that. And I tried to get away from him. I slipped away from the wall. I went to another wall that had a painting on it, a huge painting. My bag got actually stuck underneath that, and it's still on my arm. And at this point, he's grabbing at my, my underwear, pulling it to the side. I'm telling him to get off me, and he won't get off. And he has that glazed look in his eye again. I was very distraught, trying to get out of the house with him being so much taller than me, like holding me up against the wall, pushing himself in me. I couldn't move. And he finally comes and gets off of me and I push him away. He blocks the door. 
He's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. Get away from me. And he's like, well, let's calm down. I ran out and I jumped in my car. I was in a daze. After the alleged rape, Brand sent Nadia this text message. I'm sorry, that was crazy and selfish. I hope you can forgive me. I know that you're a lovely person. And the journalists involved in the report say the US number that the message came from has been verified as being Brand's by multiple sources. And the next morning, Nadia replied with this, you scared the shit out of me. You're right, I am a lovely person. And for you to take advantage of me like that is unexpectable. You have a problem, you need help. It's dangerous what you think you can get your own way all the time. Do you know how scary you are when that glazed look comes over you? When a girl says no, it means no. Do I have to go and get myself tested? Last time you asked me condom or no condom. When I say condom, that doesn't mean it's optional. You don't have the best reputation. I pride myself on being safe and trying to make the right decisions. Obviously, this was a bad one. I'm so disappointed. She received these replies from Brand's number. I'm very sorry. You don't need to get tested. I will make this up to you somehow with live, I presume, love and kindness. Not my original idea, which was more sex. You've been lovely to me and I'm embarrassed by my behavior. Sorry. Um, And then he says, will you ever forgive me? The day after the alleged assault, Nadia attended a rape treatment center. Her treatment records were released to the journalists who broke this story and they include these details. According to victim, he then pushed her up against the wall, separated her legs with his leg, moved her underwear to the side and vaginally penetrated her, ejaculating inside her once he was finished. She reported that the situation for her was even more complicated due to the assailant's celebrity status. Nadia said she had therapy at the clinic for five months following the alleged assault. Records of her sessions show that she was contemplating civil or criminal proceedings at the time, but decided against it. However, according to her note, she did write Brand a letter, dropping it off at his house. In that letter, she asked Brand this, Do you know what you put me through, my body through? You scared the shit out of me on July the 1st. I thought in any situation I would be strong enough to fight someone off. You completely broke me down. In the years that followed, Brand's career in the US kept growing. And as a former drug and alcohol abuser, Brand was also attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in LA. That's where he met a woman referred to as Phoebe, who was in her 20s and who had a short and consensual relationship with the star. Phoebe also began working with Brand. And in early 2013, she says she went to his West Hollywood house for a meeting. That's when Phoebe alleges this happened. The assistant left to run an errand. And without me realizing it, I was left alone with him at the house. He came into the room. I can't remember if he was naked or if he was in underwear, but he ended up naked at some point. And he started, like, chasing me. I was almost laughing because I was like, there's no way this is happening. And it got a little more aggressive. And then I think I realised this is not a joke. Like, this is really... He's really serious. And I went to walk back out to get out of the bedroom and the, the door had been locked, which I hadn't seen him do. And he grabbed me and got me on the bed. I was fully clothed and he was naked at this point and he held me down and he was just aggressively trying to, you know, fuck me. And I saw something come over his eyes. I swear to God, like, black. His 
eyes had no more colour, they were black. Like a different person literally entered his body. And I was screaming and I was like, what are you doing? Like, stop, you're my friend, I love you, please don't do this. I don't want to do this. Like he, I think he had his hands down my trousers, but I was fighting so hard and I was screaming so hard. And something snapped and he heard me and he got off of me. And I got up and was like, what the fuck? And he flipped the fuck out on me, like, fuck you, you know, just like super angry. And I'm sobbing. I run to the front door, grab my shoes, and I run barefoot to my car. According to Phoebe, as she ran out of the house, she passed a group of people who had turned up for another meeting with Brand. And all the people that he had the meeting with were standing in the fucking driveway. Years later, I ran into one of those guys on another job and he pulled me aside and he said to me, I have never forgiven myself for not running in that house to save you. I heard you screaming and I didn't know what to do and we were all so scared of him and I didn't do anything and I'm sorry. Three sources confirmed to the journalists on the brand investigation that Phoebe had told them at the time that he had assaulted her. A further two were also made aware of it. Russell Brand responded to these multiple allegations with this video on his YouTube channel. I've received two extremely disturbing letters, or a letter and an email, one from a mainstream media TV company, one from a newspaper listing a litany of extremely egregious and aggressive attacks, as well as some pretty stupid stuff, like uh, my community festival should be stopped, that I shouldn't be able to attack mainstream media narratives on this channel. But amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. These allegations pertain to the time when I was working in the mainstream, when I was in the newspapers all the time, when I was in the movies. And as I've written about extensively in my books, I was very, very promiscuous. Now, during that time of promiscuity, the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, almost too transparent. And I'm being transparent about it now as well. And to see that transparency metastasized into something criminal that I absolutely deny makes me question is there another agenda at play? Particularly when we've seen coordinated media attacks before, like with Joe Rogan, when he dared to take a medicine that the mainstream media didn't approve of. And we saw a spate of headlines from media outlets across the world using the same language. I'm aware that you guys have been saying in the comments for a while, watch out, Russell, they're coming for you. You're getting too close to the truth. Russell Brand did not kill himself. I know that a year ago, there was a spate of articles. Russell Brand's a conspiracy theorist. Russell Brand's right wing. I'm aware of news media making phone calls, sending letters to people I know for ages and ages. It's been clear to me, or at least it feels to me, like there's a serious and concerted agenda to control these kind of spaces and these kind of voices. And I mean my voice along with your voice. I don't mind them using my books and my stand-up to talk about my promiscuous, consensual conduct in the past. What I seriously refute are these very, very serious criminal allegations. Also, it's worth mentioning that there are witnesses whose evidence directly contradicts the narratives that these two mainstream media outlets are trying to construct, apparently in what seems to me to be a coordinated attack. Now, I don't want to get into this any further because of the serious nature of the allegations, but I feel like I'm being attacked and plainly they are working very closely together. 
Now, the reason we've showed you, you know, lots of these allegations in detail and the corroborating evidence is because the kind of claims made by Russell Brand there are not the kind of claims that we immediately dismiss out of hand, right? We do know that there are mainstream media organizations which can push stories based on an agenda. Obviously, we were very critical of the the documentary, the Panorama documentary, when it came to labor anti-Semitism, numerous examples where we say this piece of content has an agenda. Now, we would never say you should believe this because it's in the Times and because it's on Channel 4. But personally, I do think that the weight of evidence suggests that there is definitely a lot of questions for Russell Brand to answer. And I don't think this can be dismissed in any way as just a smear. Ash, we have in quite a lot of detail, really, sort of laid out lots of the allegations which have been put to Russell brand, also then his response. I mean, how would you sort of advise our audience to to interpret these, these claims and counterclaims in this case? I think the first thing I would say is to agree with you, which is that people are sceptical of mainstream media for some very, very good reasons. We've seen the character assassination power up in order to take people down before. And many people watching this might even have some direct experience of that when it comes to being on the left. But here's why I don't think it's the same in this case of Russell Brand. So firstly, what you're reading in the Sunday Times and what you're seeing in the Dispatches documentary, it's not just someone saying something and it's not just innuendo things taken out of context. You've got some quite strong supporting documentation that we've seen already. You have the text messages sent between the woman who is uh, pseudonymized as Nadia, and you've got Russell Brand's response to it. You've got medical reports. You've got therapy notes. You've got contemporaneous corroboration that at the time these women had told people close to them, that these assaults had taken place. So these are all quite strong forms of evidence. Now, some people might go, well, you could just still make all that up. That's true. You could just make all that up. But were that to be the case, Russell Brand would probably have the single strongest defamation case in the history of planet Earth. It really would be an extraordinary amount of fabrication and collusion. And so that's why... On the balance of the evidence that's presented, I don't think it's made up. Then you've got to look at what has already been in the public sphere before the Sunday Times and dispatches aired their investigations. In the early 2010s, so you know, thinking about like you know, 2010 to 2015, you did have stories popping up in the media where women made allegations of not just promiscuity, not just behavior which you might consider hurtful or upsetting on the level of hurt feelings, but of predatory behavior. There was a story carried by the Mirror where Danny Minogue, where Danny Minogue sister of Kylie Minogue, alleged that Russell Brand had been lecherous towards her about her breasts. She called him a predator. And the way in which that was editorialized by the Mirror at the time was as a kind of naughty, cheeky interview. There was also allegations made by an ex-girlfriend of Russell Brand's called Jordan Martin. This is something which is revisited by the Sunday Times and Dispatches, where she she's written this account of their relationship. She gives them both 
pseudonyms. She gives Russell Brand pseudonym, herself a pseudonym. And in that account of their relationship, she makes allegations of coercive control, extreme jealousy, and sexual assault. Again, this was reported by the media in the early and mid-20-teens, but it's not something that was taken particularly seriously. So it's not just the case that Russell Brand made pivot in his career towards very anti-elitist, very anti-establishment thinking and started this YouTube channel and then the establishment got scared and out comes these allegations. They'd actually been in the public sphere when he was just a light entertainment figure, when he was just a comedian, when he was just starring in Hollywood films. But at that time, they weren't taken particularly seriously. And it's taken the... Sunday Times reporting and the Dispatches documentary to recontextualize a lot of that stuff. And I know we're going to talk about this a bit further on, Michael, where we're going to talk about some of the ways in which our culture hopefully has changed, but what the culture was like at that time around sexual violence. I think what the Sunday Times and Dispatches have shown is that at that time, media played an active part in minimizing and laughing off some of these behaviors, even though they were well known. So that's why I think a lot of these allegations can feel like they're a, a surprise because it it's stuff you know, but it's also stuff you don't know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I suppose lots of this is brand new information, right? And then some of it is information we're, we're hearing sort of in a different light because we're seeing, you know, what is alleged to be a more complete picture. Um, uh, let's talk about more allegations. We've, we've heard the allegations of the four women who've agreed to speak on the record about their treatment by Russell Brand. But other witnesses to Brand's behaviour between 2006 and 2013 have also spoken out about his treatment of women who haven't come forward. Um, this is how three crew members who work with Brand on Big Brother's e-forum remember the period. My role was to recruit audience members for the live show. Russell was pointing out women that he found attractive in the audience and then getting the runners to get their details so that they could meet up after the show. He would give the runner a piece of paper and it would be a phone number or where to find him in his hotel room. Daya would give that out to at least two, three girls in the audience. And I say girls because they were like, all over 18, but they were all under 22. I distinctly remember getting phone calls from women in tears the next day saying that they'd met up with Russell. They were mainly upset because they just felt used. You know, he promised he'd call me, he said he'd speak to me again, and I've not heard from him. That said, you know, I don't know what went on once they left the studio. It felt like we were essentially taking lambs into slaughter, we are basically acting like pimps to Russell Brand's needs. Big Brother was a joint production between Channel 4 and the production company Endemol. And by 2005, concerns about Brand's behaviour appear to have been raised with more senior staff working in these organisations. I kind of felt something wasn't right. I didn't like it. I discussed it with one of the other research team and we sat across from... There was like a talent booking manager... She was pretty old school, had like a Rolodex of contacts. And she was just like, girls, girls, you know, it's what happens with the talent. Boys will be boys. We reported what had happened and what we'd seen them and said that, that these calls had come in. We didn't hear anything more about it. 
I don't know whether that complaint went any higher than our production management team. It was definitely met with, okay, well, that's not okay. I don't know if anybody spoke to Russell. The behaviour didn't stop. Now, it isn't known whether these complaints were passed higher up the chain, but after a stint in rehab to receive treatment for sex addiction in 2005, Brand was rehired by Channel 4 to return to Big Brother for a further four seasons. Big Brother production company Endemol was later bought by Banerjee UK. In response to these allegations, they said this... We take our duty of care to our cast, crew and staff extremely seriously. While the legacy company Endemol did have a code of conduct, support policies and escalation procedures in place during the period in question, they were not as robust as our current processes. We are sorry these women did not feel supported and protected while working on these productions and in light of these serious allegations encourage them to contact us in confidence. During this time, Brand's career continued to flourish. In 2006, his BBC Radio 6 music programme was moved to a Saturday evening Radio 2 slot where he enjoyed a significantly larger audience. As part of that show, he regularly sexualised newsreader Andrea Simmons on air. She's erotic, that newsreader. Blimey, what a sex bomb that woman is. I'm going to go in that newsroom one of these days and while she's reading, do you know one of my fantasies? Don't. <laughs> We are going to get under that desk and we're going to unleash hell on your thighs, woman. The uh, producer just told me that uh, she was, we've upset her. They pointed out in the, the production side of our programme show, they go, uh, she ain't got the right to reply because she, like, we say all these things about her, like, oh, yeah, it's a she's doing the news. Imagine her just in her knickers. It's pretty hard to argue that the BBC wasn't aware of Brand's treatment of the newsreader, but it didn't stop there. On one 2007 show, Brand interviewed serial sex offender and paedophile Jimmy Savile. Savile's crimes weren't publicly known at the time, but a young woman working for Brand once again became the sexual focus. It'd be very nice to meet you one day, Mr. Jimmy Savile, just, well, you know. if you've got a sister, you could meet me by bringing her along. I, I mean, I haven't got any sisters, I but... I don't usually meet fellas, but if you've got a sister, that's okay. I've got a persistent called... Part of her job description is that anyone I demand she um, greets, meets, massages, she has to do it. She's very attractive, Jimmy. Well, that's 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 a good start. R what it's kind a good of start? You could send her along to do some research. Would you like her to wear anything in in particular, Sir Jimmy? I'd actually prefer her to wear nothing. Right. So you want my assistant to meet you naked? Okay. Well, that's that's not going to be that's not going to be a problem. Complaints about that exchange were reportedly made to BBC Radio 2 controller Leslie Douglas, but no action seems to have been taken. On another occasion that year, further complaints were made to Douglas about Brand's behaviour. The Sunday Times reports this. Sources who were involved said the complaint was made after an alarming display of aggression and disrespect by Brand in the studio, which included Brand hurling objects across the studio in fits of rage and urinating in a bottle in full view of everyone. Brand had done this, the sources said, in front of production staff and guests, including a young person who appeared to be a minor and had been sent to appear on Radio 2 by a charity. Once again, no action appears to have been taken by controller Leslie Douglas. A spokesperson for Douglas said this, Ms Douglas did not at any time encourage, enable and or fail herself to take any adequate steps within her power with regard to the conduct of Russell Brand, of which she was aware. She is presently unable to provide any further information which may be relevant to the matters raised in this article due to the obligations owed by her to her former employer. In 2008, Brand and Douglas resigned from the BBC after Brand, along with Jonathan Ross, left a voicemail for the actor Andrew Sachs in which they laughed about Brand having had sex with his granddaughter. 
But UK broadcasters continued to give Brand jobs. Alice, who alleges Brand sexually assaulted her while she was still a schoolgirl, went on to work in TV. This is her now recalling a Channel 4 production meeting that took place around 2013. There was a meeting that I was sat in and it was with a production company and group of commissioning editors. There were discussions about a show that was going to happen and who the presenter was going to be. And it looked like the most likely candidate was going to be Russell. There were a couple of people in the room that raised concerns about him because it came to light that they'd been previous situations where he'd been inappropriate with staff members. The solution that was offered was that we would take the female staff off the crew and then if there were women there, then then they would never be alone with him. I was in disbelief. Now, if that's true, it looks like Channel 4 executives were prepared to block the careers of women to protect Russell Brand. As late as 2019, Brand was still appearing on Channel 4 when he starred in the channel's Celebrity Bake Off. In response to these allegations, Channel 4 said this. Channel 4 is appalled to learn of these deeply troubling allegations, including behaviour alleged to have taken place on programmes made for Channel 4 between 2004 and 2007. We are determined to understand the full nature of what went on. We have carried out extensive document searches and have found no evidence to suggest the alleged incidents were brought to the attention of Channel 4. We will continue to review this in light of any further information we receive, including the accounts of those affected individuals. We will be asking the production company who produced the programmes for Channel 4 to investigate these allegations and report their findings properly and satisfactorily to us. The allegations brought to light by the Times and Dispatch's investigation are shocking, but the women involved aren't the first to publicly criticise Brand's conduct. In a 2006 Mirror interview, singer Danny Minogue said this, Brand is completely crazy and a bit of a vile predator. I certainly don't think he has cured his sex addiction, that's for sure. He wouldn't take no for an answer. He's obviously very intelligent, but he wears more makeup than I do. Normally, I love guys with eyeliner on. It can be very sexy, but not on Russell. Absolutely no way, never. He's just not my type. Throughout the whole interview, he kept making shocking remarks that I can't even repeat. Just uttering the words would make me blush. Um, In a 2013 Vogue interview, Brand's ex-wife Katy Perry said this, He didn't like the atmosphere of me being the boss on tour. So that was really hurtful. And it was very controlling, which was upsetting. I felt a lot of responsibility for it ending, but then I found out the real truth, which I can't necessarily disclose because I keep it locked in my safe for a rainy day. Ash, I mean, I suppose especially the clips there, which were sort of broadcast on on radio, I suppose there's sort of an interesting difference between how these are being interpreted now and how they were interpreted at the time. Clearly, on some level, they were interpreted as acceptable at the time. And I suppose there's, you know, there's, a, there's a number of ways of interpreting this. Like, one, we have progressed as a society. So if we've progressed as a society, that means things which were once seen as acceptable to, to broadcast on the BBC aren't anymore. The other is that we're now reading these in a different light because of these allegations made um, against Russell Brand. And then I suppose, you know, critics of the mainstream media might say, well, we're only hearing these allegations about Russell Brand because they don't need to protect him anymore because he's an outsider instead of an insider. A defender of the mainstream media might say, to be honest, sort of collecting information and backing up allegations against someone as wealthy and powerful as Russell Brand is is difficult and you have to make sure it's watertight so you don't get sued. I mean, a lot going on here. How do you interpret sort of these reports of historic reporting about um, Brand's behaviour and how he was allowed to behave on air? 
Okay, I think that there certainly was before Operation Utree and the Jimmy Savile revelations, a much more deferent culture at the BBC towards what you might call the talent. All right. So those very high profile presenters were allowed to get away with an awful lot. And I think that what we see with Russell Brand's persona is that it was meant to be this very sexually liberated, uh, this very irreverent kind of character, which then I think bamboozles people because you go, okay, well, if this person is playing the character of a wronging, how much of a wronging can they really be? And I think that illusion of candor, that illusion of openness can do a lot to hide or to conceal or to obfuscate wrongdoing that's going on behind closed doors. I'm not saying that every single person who makes a bawdy joke is therefore a sexual predator, but what I'm saying is that somebody who may well be a sexual predator, not necessarily simply talking about Russell Brandt, talking about anybody, if you cultivate a persona where it feels like anything goes and they lay it all out there, it's very hard to believe that they also have secrets. And I think that that can be a very calculating, manipulative strategy. I think in terms of what we were hearing, uh, in terms of that exchange between Russell Brand and Jimmy Savile, it was really disgusting. Now, I think that there was a higher tolerance for that kind of humour. But what we saw with Jimmy Savile is that he's another abuser who operated in plain sight. He's someone who never saw accountability while he lived. And part of how he was able to get away with it for so long is that he seemed to wear his creepiness like a badge of honor. And because it seemed so obvious that he was a creep, well then, that must be all there is to it. So it felt like a strange kind of mutual recognition there. It made me feel very, very uncomfortable listening to it. And I think that when when you listen to those episodes about what was being said to uh, the BBC newsreader, regardless of whether or not those allegations published in the Sunday Times and Dispatches turned out to be true, what we heard was on-air sexual harassment. That's just what it was. There's no he said, she said about it. You can hear him getting in real-time instructions from his producer on-air through the earpiece saying, stop doing that. And yet he keeps doing it. And there's something really cruel and horrible about committing that kind of workplace sexual harassment while on air, while making all of your listeners and the other presenter complicit in this big joke while crossing a woman's boundary. And I think the last thing that I'll say, I mean, while uh, you were talking there, Michael, I was just going through some of my old emails. Back in 2018, I was asked to do Russell Brand's podcast. And one of the reasons why I ended up not doing it, why I didn't want to do it, was that I was asked to record his podcast at his home outside of London. And I didn't talk to him directly. It was all via a female personal assistant. But I was like, okay, so this is like an unpaid media gig at some guy's home in the countryside. And maybe he'll be the one picking me up from the station. It just didn't sit right with me. And I hadn't heard any of the rumors of rape or sexual assault or um, 
you know, really serious criminal wrongdoing. Well, I knew about Russell Brand was all anyone else knew about Russell Brand. But to me, that seemed quite out of the ordinary for a professional request. And I turned it down. And I remembered that this happened um, over the weekend. And I was talking to uh, somebody who uh, knows one of the alleged victims of Russell Brand. And what they said to me was, thank God you didn't go to his home. Like, that plainly. Um, and again, this doesn't mean that, you know, all the allegations are absolutely watertight and you have to believe it because it's in the Sunday Times, but it does give it significant amount of plausibility in my book. We're going to go to an important response um, to what we've showed you so far, because earlier we played you Russell Brand's response to this investigation um, by the Times and, and Channel 4. So he's saying essentially this is a smear. Um, he's denying the, the serious allegations. And um, one of Brand's alleged victims has now responded to that statement. The woman referred to as, as Alice, who alleges being groomed and sexually assaulted by Brand when she was just 16 years old, has said this. First of all, I think it's insulting. and. It's laughable that he would even imply that this is some kind of mainstream media conspiracy. He's not outside the mainstream. He did a Universal Pictures movie last year. He did Minions, a children's movie. He's very much part of the mainstream media. He just happens to have a YouTube channel where he talks about conspiracy theories to an audience that laps it up. And it may sound cynical, but I do think that he was building himself an audience for years of people that would then have great distrust of any publication that came forward with allegations. He knew it was coming for a long time. And then as for him denying that anything non-consensual happened, that's not a surprise to me. These men always denied that any of these allegations brought to them, I, I knew he would. But what he didn't deny, he did say it was consensual, but he didn't deny he didn't deny that he had a relationship with a 16-year-old. In another development, the Metropolitan Police have confirmed they've received a new complaint about Russell Brand. They released this statement. We are aware of reporting by the Sunday Times and Channel 4's dispatches about allegations of sexual offences. On Sunday the 17th of September, the Met received a report of a sexual assault which was alleged to have taken place in Soho in central London in 2003. Officers are in contact with the woman and will be providing her with support. We first spoke with the Sunday Times on Saturday the 16th of September and have since made further approaches to the Sunday Times and Channel 4 to ensure that anyone who believes they have been the victim of a sexual offence is aware of how to report this to the police. I suppose a number of things to discuss here, Ash. That alleged victim there, speaking to Women's Hour on the BBC, her suggestion was that potentially the reason why Russell Brand has courted, I suppose what is more a sort of conspiratorial right-wing audience in the United States, is precisely because they are the kind of viewers, the kind of audience who are less likely to take allegations such as this seriously. Obviously, if he was, if he was still... Uh, a journalist whose main career was based on sort of fronting things for the BBC, this kind of allegation would be incredibly damaging for him and probably bring him down. Um, the fact that now he's got his own YouTube platform, he's got his own audience who, you know, are, you know, as we say, for some reasons, very understandably mistrustful of the mainstream media. Um, that means that, you know, he 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 does have uh, a fair degree of insularity from this, I suppose, a fair degree of insulation from this. I can't 
promise that I've got any special insight into Russell Brand's mind. But what I can say is this. If I was a celebrity with anti-establishment politics who had once upon a time been beloved of liberal Hollywood, and I had an awful lot of skeletons lurking at the back of my closet, I was aware that one day they would come out. Would I try and stick with a Hollywood liberal establishment audience or would I try and pivot so that I was speaking to an audience and financially reliant on an audience um, of people who would believe me no matter what I did, no matter what came out against me, uh, because it's coming from the mainstream media and they don't trust it, right? That would be quite a plausible and strategic way to head off any allegations that would be lodged against you, is what I would say. So that to me seems like it it could very well be a plausible explanation. And I think that this is something which has been bothering me about the whole episode, which is that there are lots of people saying, how can you believe anything that comes from the mainstream media? You're being manipulated. And I don't trust the mainstream media either. But what I'm able to do is have a look at the story on its own merits, right? Look at the evidence that's being presented. Look at what's being said in terms of none of these women who've come forward knew each other before. So this would be a crazy amount of collusion were it to be the case that it was all a fabrication. I think that a bit of media literacy would perhaps suggest that like there's something in this and it should be taken seriously. And the fact that Russell Brand is wielding the language of radical politics, that is the thing which is manipulative. It is deeply manipulative to, I think, take people's very justified politics, their very justified mistrust of mainstream media, and use it as a cloak to protect yourself against allegations, which I think at the very least deserve a fair hearing. And I can only imagine what it might be like to be somebody who who's been raped or sexually assaulted by someone that's famous and to have gone through the trauma of a sexual violation and have that compounded by the knowledge that your assailant has a loving audience who's going to stick by them no matter what and disbelieve you no matter what. That must be incredibly difficult. And then if you add to that, that online audiences can be very, very vocal in their protection of someone they like and very, very vocal in their disdain for people that they don't like or who they perceive as a threat to the person they do like. That must be really awful. Like, that just must feel really, really shit. Tweeting on the hashtag Navarro Live, all corporations are evil, says everybody's speaking like brands. Brand's grotesque behavior as a celebrity is a relic from a past era. Guaranteed similar scandals will happen again in future has culture really changed so much as the media are trying to portray? I'm guessing probably not. Yeah, it's a really interesting comment. I mean, I do, I mean, clearly, you know, abuse is still going on and things like this will come out. I mean, I, I do think this has to be taken somewhat in, in terms of Me Too, right? The Me Too um, outpouring from many women around the world, right? And and, and it, I do genuinely think that some of the things which were acceptable 10 or 15 years ago aren't acceptable now. Um, 
Ash, I want to go to you very briefly on that, actually, just because I'm very interested in your take there. Um, what do you think about the extent to which this is still going on and people are being open about this because there's enough distance? Or do you think that there has been a genuine change? I can't speak to how much has changed now, but I would like to talk about that culture in the early 2000s, uh, early you know, 20 teens, because that's when I was a teenager. And I was part of that kind of like indie dance music scene. And I was going to clubs when I was underage. And the reason why I wanted to was because it felt like this really creative, very liberated, uh, very exciting scene to be a part of. And I really wanted to be a part of it. And so did a lot of my friends. Um, But there was a very sleazy fucked up side to it as well so I witnessed I heard I experienced things which were sex crimes and it was totally normalized it was totally commonplace and it was like if you were a teenage girl in those spaces you were actively fetishized for your age and that's why some of the allegations that have come out about Russell Brand they really resonate with what I knew of the culture at that time because it felt like there were no women who were in their late 20s and early 30s, but we were just surrounded by men who were in their late 20s and early 30s. And these were men who knew how old we were and actively got a kick out of it. And you were objectified on that basis, you were fetishized on that basis. And when bad things did happen, it was expected that you wouldn't make a big deal out of it because you're cool, right? You're cool. And you know that this is kind of like a grown-up adult space and like people want to be involved in subversive activities. And it was so normalized. And I think that so many girls and young women during that time blamed themselves. They felt that either they were the ones who did something wrong or they were being proved there's something wrong with their boundaries or that this bad thing happened because they were stupid and they failed to protect themselves. No, there was a really grotesque culture of fetishizing teenage girls at that time. And it was totally widespread. And it was something that was playing out in the media. There were these horrible countdowns till they turn 18 for Hilary Duff and the Olsen twins and for Emma Watson and for Charlotte Church and all these powerful men in the media. They laughed about it and they made lewd comments. But there was also very direct criminal uh you know consequences of that culture in parts of those scenes i mean i look back on things that happened and i feel completely disgusted and it's horrible like the kind of um shame and confusion that stays with you from that time is very, very powerful. And I know I'm not alone in thinking this. I know I'm not alone in having experienced it. And I think that enough time has passed that women, those girls are now women and they're my age and they're able to reflect on that time and go, oh my God, that's awful. I would never turn a blind eye to those behaviors if I witnessed it. How fucked up is it that I was part of these you know, so unprotected in these scenes. And there were no women, there were no older women around. You know, you realize how wrong it is when when you get older and you go, hang on, I'm 31. Would I ever find a 16-year-old sexually attractive? No, 
even though it's not illegal, it's totally unthinkable to me. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine my desire being activated in that way. And yet there were so many men, so many men who were actively pursuing 17, 16, sometimes 15, 14 year olds. And they made you feel like it was a compliment to you that you were being objectified in that way. And like, I remember being out with this one guy and we we're at the shop and there were these like pornographic magazines on the rack. And one of them was called barely 18. And his friend like made a joke about barely 18. And then he put his arm around me and went, I've got my own barely 16 right here. And everyone laughed because that was the culture at that time. So yes, I think that enough time has gone by. People are able to, um, to talk about these things. Um, I think that, women are able to talk about these things and make sense of what happened. But I also think that it's got a lot less cultural permission coming from like BBC and Vice and like the kind of edgy stand-up comedy scene than it did at that time. As for whether it's still going on now, like I don't know. I just don't know. I can't imagine seeing my friends with a little 16 year old on their arm like it would be totally socially unacceptable but just because it's socially unacceptable in my group of friends I don't know if it is socially unacceptable everywhere I really hope that it is I really hope that the culture's changed in that way but I just don't know let's go to our next story the allegations facing Russell Brand are damning and the evidence collected by the Times and Channel 4 appears pretty overwhelming but that hasn't stopped a number of very high profile people jumping to his defense Elon Musk has said this, I support Russell Brand, that man is not evil. Closer to home, Alan Sugar has said this, it seems strange that a few people have come forward at the same time. This leads me to think this is media-driven and induced. It started with one person and then they went on to find others and talked them into complaining. I guess at the end of the day, the Department of Public Procession will make the final call if the matter is presented by the police. I think he, he means the Department of Public Prosecutions. Why are these people coming out at the same time after the event? Well, yes, I mean, I think it has often been the case, often with these Me Too stories, where when one person comes out and, and says something, then other people feel confident to do the same because they think that they will be believed because other people are making the same allegations. As I think is also clear from lots of this reporting, there is corroborating evidence. This isn't just he said, she said, there are texts, there are emails. Slightly less famous than either of those, so either Lord Sugar or Elon Musk, is Bev Turner. Now, she's a host at GB News, and she posted this. You are being attacked, Rusty Rockets. So that is Russell Brand. Establishment media don't know what to do with the fact that you have 6 million subscribers and generate autonomous, knowing, and original content. You are welcome on my GB News show anytime. We are mainstream media, but we are not establishment media. There's a difference. Keep going. This proves you are winning. You're a hero. So she's very much sort of buying into... Russell Brand's line that this, the reason this is happening is because he's anti-establishment. This is the establishment trying to silence someone who speaks against their interests. And that tweet led um, fellow GB News host Andrew Pearce to confront Turner about her defensive brand live on air. We've got to talk about, because um, what Jonathan Ashworth was referring to was your tweet, Beverly Turner, at the weekend when you said about, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. You are being attacked. Establishment need you don't know what to do with the fact you have 6 million subscribers. 6.5. And generate autonomous, knowing and original content. You are welcome on my GB News show anytime. Actually, it's my show too. Uh, we are mainstream media, but we are not establishment come on this media. Morning, we'd have had him, let's be honest. But we are not establishment media. There's a difference. Keep going. This proves you're winning. You're a hero with mm. a love heart emoji. Yeah. Bev, that is shameful. 
It's not that shameful. is shameful. That is shameful. You have dismissed in one tweet uh, a four-year investigation by the Sunday Times, the Times and Channel 4 as contemptuously the mainstream media. A 16-year-old girl has complained of being groomed by this man. Two women have said they were raped and there are more and more cases coming tonight. And you say you're a hero. Don't you think before you say someone's a hero... Hang hero? on. Don't you think before you say he's a hero, you should establish whether these very serious allegations are true? Well, before, well, what's the I answer to that? before I tweeted that, I had spoken to several sources mm. close to Brand, right. close to the Times. Had you spoken close to those to four women? I was confident that there is no smoking gun in this regard. Right. I remain confident, having watched the dispatches, if that is what they've got after four years of a joint investigation by the Times newspaper and Channel 4, those four flimsy allegations from women who choose to stay anonymous, so there is nobody that can counter their version of events. It's nobody who can say, well, hang on, I was there on that occasion. Whilst, uh, and this is the thing. Do you have any sympathy year, for these women? There are 1.1 million. For these women? Every year, there are 1.1 million people who are sexually assaulted in this mm, country. Mm. Newspapers, like yours, yeah. don't care about that until there's a celebrity involved. No. And then suddenly, it's uh, all over well. the front page of the paper. It's a very strange claim. I mean, yes, newspapers care more when a celebrity does something than when a member of the public does, right? I mean, that's how the news works. It doesn't seem to me to be particularly hypocritical that more attention is paid to to a celebrity, to allegations against a celebrity than they are against any other member of the public. Just the way she was saying, they're choosing to stay anonymous. How can we believe them when they're choosing to stay anonymous? Now, we know that Russell Brand has an army of followers and an army of followers who are, you know, on the the side of the political spectrum and with certain attitudes whereby I would expect that if one of these women were to go public, they probably would not have a particularly good time whenever they went online, for example. I mean, I could imagine people getting doxxed as well, right? If you have people who have a really passionate following, you don't want to be the one person who publicly speaks against them. Now, I don't know if I know, know enough, sorry, about this sort of Amber Heard, Johnny Depp case. I, I don't have a strong opinion on it at all. What I do know is that Amber Heard sort of making allegations against Johnny Depp was not good for her well-being, right? She came out publicly and made her allegations. I'm not here to say whether or not they had weight or not. I know that in a sort of court or law, court of law, um, Johnny Depp won certain claims. Um, but she was, you know, subjected to a lot of harassment. And so I would not, you know, if, if, I, if I was a woman who had been through one of these experiences, I would definitely not go public with my face and name making allegations against someone who was incredibly powerful and successful. Now, as I say, these are not anonymous to everyone, right? These are not just random people on the internet. The journalists involved will know who they are. Um, the lawyers will know who they are. So, yeah, I, I think that was pretty dishonest there. And um, let's go to more of that exchange. On the question of whether Turner has any sympathy for the women in the report, she said this. Of course, everybody has the right to not be sexually offensive, uh, uh, um, sexually assaulted. Anybody who has been sexually assaulted, my heart goes out mm. to them. This happens every single There's day. There's not in this a country. scintilla of sympathy in this statement on Twitter for these four women who I would argue none of them know each other. It's a very you know big thing to go public. Um, I'm, I'm, and, and you, you say this proves, keep going. this proves you're winning. What, winning by allegedly raping and grooming 16 year olds? You're a hero, love heart. Let I'm me shocked. tell you why he's winning. He's winning because he is a man who generates his own content under his own speed, under his own expense. Yeah, he is a threat. 
to all of these newspapers. The ones His that you clip, write for when you can. I love newspapers. Right. Don't get me wrong. I love this industry. So that's more what important than is, these allegations why by now? these women. Why now? No, why it's, now? It's taken four why years. Now? It's taken He's, four years for this. And that's all they've got? The, well, but, why didn't those women go to the, the police? Why haven't they gone to the police well, now? I mean, one of the reasons people don't go to the police, and again, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to to comment on the allegations. We've talked about, you know, uh, how, you know, credible it, it seems that these investigations are. But regardless of that, why wouldn't someone go to the police? Well, because the conviction rates for these things are terrible. So what often happens is you go to the police. You have to go through the whole trauma of uh, of giving evidence to the police of them potentially going through your mobile phone. Um, I don't think it's a particularly relaxing or enjoyable process and then it's very very unlikely that at the end of the day the person is going to get convicted there's been sort of graphics going around on social media showing the tiny proportion of 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 rape complaints that do end up in conviction so that's not to say one shouldn't go to the police if you're if, if if you want to make allegations such as this but the idea that if you haven't gone to the police you shouldn't be believed i think is completely ridiculous given what we know about what happens when someone goes to the police Let's give you one more section from that exchange. The allegations, they're, going, they're increasing in their number, and I guarantee to you this is going to be a huge investigation, a huge story, and I'm astonished that you let to his defence before you can have any read... any of his content in the last uh, three years. You have you no idea who he is You have no idea what he represents Had you watched the dispatcher show when you, had you, watched the dispatcher show when you put that tweet out on Saturday morning? No, but that you doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. There was nothing you hadn't you even seen the dispatches program when you put out, he ago. is a hero. And you he hadn't even seen the dispatches program. His, he Let me would tell not you, have what gained do you make of that? the as popularity a woman, as a woman knowing that how, how difficult it is in this country. If all of the mainstream media hadn't been singing for Missing one non-scientific no, hymn sheet for is the last three years, women. shame on you. Then he wouldn't have the hero. Shame on you for attacking these women. You've created that hero. Shame on you for attacking these women. Because all these people, all these newspapers that gave one side of the pandemic, he was it's, a lone oh, it's now voice. about COVID again. Beverly Turner's other big hobby horse, she can't get through an hour without going on about COVID. This is not about COVID. This he is about serious about allegations about a public figure who has been accused by four women of twice two of rape, one of grooming a six-year-old, and you're banging on about COVID. He talks about the you're thing obsessed. that matters. You're no, obsessed. I'm telling you you're obsessed. that the reason Stephanie. he is a hero to right. millions of people, yeah. millions who will right. be watching not this these channel, four women. is because of his position right. on politics right. in the last three right. years. He used to be a left-winger. He now gets written off as a right-winger. That's why people like Jonathan Ashwood don't know what to say. Because when he was the left-wing darling, everybody loved him. Now that he's interviewing people like Tucker Carlson and interviewing Ron DeSantis, the press hate him. They've You're turned against him because of his position. You're just not talking about the issues, are you? Now, Ash, I want to get your take on that. Because, I mean, I, I think Beverly Turner did seem a bit out of her depth there. At the same time, I, I, do, I, I don't think she's expressing an opinion which is you know, that far off what lots of members of the public will think. You know, there is a lot of suspicion out there, as we keep saying, you know, understandably of the mainstream media and their agenda. I mean, how how would you intervene in these kind of debates? When it comes to Beverly Turner, I simply wouldn't bother. I had some interactions with her for a talk TV pilot. This was years ago before they decided they wanted to make it talk TV with um, uh, Piers Morgan. And 
once she started talking about COVID, she was talking so much nonsense and it was just a wall of crap. There was no way in which you could, you know, breach it even a little bit. Simply wouldn't bother. I mean, she went from talking about COVID to then claiming that the vaccine was making, you know, thousands, if not millions of children go blind. I mean, it, it was really unsubstantiated stuff. So when it comes to Beverly Turner, I just think lost cause. But I don't think that anyone who has mistrust of the mainstream media is a lost cause. Again, I would really implore people to look at the reporting. Just look at the reporting. Look at the evidence which is gathered in front of you. You've got medical records. You've got women who are unknown to each other before the story was published. And you've got text messages between one of the alleged victims and Brand. And I think that unlike the kind of suggestion and innuendo that we've seen power, a lot of other character assassinations in the mainstream media, you've got pieces of corroborating evidence which lend credibility to these claims. That's, that's my take on it. So I don't think that the way in which you deal with the fact that mainstream media has behaved abominably in recent decades is to write off absolutely everything that you see or you hear, because then you do end up in a situation where you only take in information when it already coheres with your worldview. Now, I am just as guilty as anyone else of being resistant to information which challenges the things I already think. Right? I'm just as guilty as anybody else. And that's why I think it's really important if you are a socialist, a leftist, a progressive, an anti-establishment thinker, that you've got to have really sharp critical faculties. Because if you have one rule, like always believe the mainstream media, or you've got another rule, like always disbelieve the mainstream media, it's likely that you're going to be more vulnerable to believing nonsense. You've got to do something that's really hard, which is read critically, read skeptically and strip away the editorializing and look at the bare bones of what a story has. And this is the big difference between the Russell Brand story and the Hugh Edwards story. The Hugh Edwards story, you had the young person at the center of it, uh, nowhere to be seen in the initial news story. You just had reports from parents and then you had a story which was changing and being watered down with each subsequent day of coverage by the sun until you get to the point where you're having the sun and the parents who'd first gone to the sun admit that the police said that no criminal activity had taken place now that was a complete 180 from what was originally alleged in the first story it then also emerged that the young person at the center of the story had said to the sun on the record that nothing bad criminal, sorry, I should say nothing criminal had occurred um, and that he disputed, uh, this young person disputed their parents' version of events. Now, that's very, very different from what we're seeing with the Russell Brand story. What we're seeing is multiple accusers who don't know each other and we're seeing corroborating evidence as well. That is the difference. And You've got to get good at reading the news like this. There's no simple way to do it. Sometimes you'll get things wrong as well. God knows I do. But you've got to get used to reading the news skeptically without dismissing everything out of hand. Thank you, everyone, for watching this evening. This show will be back tomorrow from 6pm. For now, you've been watching Navarra Media. Good night. This broadcast is brought to you by Navarra Media. Go to navarramedia.com support.